Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It's a game day. Jazz and Clippers tonight. Jazz have won eight in a row. Jazz have won 19 out of 20. Can they make it 20 out of 21? You know, the interesting thing about this uh, streak now is it's gotten so long and the numbers change every day. And there's something about six of seven becoming seven of eight and seven of eight becoming eight of nine. It becomes really easy to mess the numbers up. And I've seen two media members mess them up in the last two days. And I know nobody's trying to mess it up. You know, you're not supposed to make mistakes, but people are human and they do and all that. And it's just, it's funny that there's so much winning people can't keep track of it. I mean, local people who want to keep track of it. Nobody wants to deliver the bad news on the local team. A lot of you out there, hey, it's great, they won. And it's easy to do that now because, hey, it's great, they won. But there is so much winning, people literally can't keep control of it. But it's got to end at some point because nobody keeps this pace up forever. And when it ends, what will it look like? Who will they lose to? Under what circumstances? And, uh, you know, how will they perform? And is it close? Where they run off the field or run off the court? Did they, uh, you know, how, how did it all go down? Now, it'll be interesting against the Clippers tonight because it's the regular season, so the stakes can't be that high. But we are still looking for any hint of truth, anything that we can get that will help us explain the playoffs. We'll take it. But if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George don't go, or if they go but they're on a minutes restriction, or you know, if it's the first game back and they don't play that well because they're rusty, you know, then it's just this big old asterisk next to it. But it's still the Jazz and the Clippers. And if nothing else, even if it feels a little hollow because the Clippers aren't really the Clippers, if when this is all said and done, we can look at who played and how many minutes they played and say, well, that's not really who they are, and they'll, they'll be better if they get back to full speed in the playoffs and all that. Nonetheless, if the Jazz can find a way to win these two games, they'll have the tiebreaker on the Clippers, and they'll be up four and a half games on the Clippers in a shortened season. It'll feel like they're going to finish for the Clippers. Now, there's plenty of games and stuff can go wrong and teams can get hit with injuries and, you know, there's no guarantees. But this is a great chance to put the Clippers away, you know. And we're going to hear from uh, Andrew Greif. I almost called him Bill Greif. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how many of you are old enough to know who Bill Greif is or hardcore enough sports fans to know who he is. But he pitched for the Padres in four, for four years when I was a little kid. That's all I can do, not to call Andrew Greif, Bill Greif. Greif's not a name you hear every day. I wonder if that's his great uncle or something. Anyway, the uh, you know talking to uh, Andrew Greif about this and and the Clippers and you know how are they set up? And he said the same thing the PK said, which is you got these two LA teams and they've got these injuries and can the Jazz pull away? You can't lock up the one seed, but you can make yourself the overwhelming favorite. Because you get to a point where, yeah, they can catch you, but, and this happened last year, you know, the Lakers had the top spot in the West, and they could have fought for the top spot in the NBA, but then we didn't get the end of the season the way we were supposed to. But do you want to spend that much energy to catch the Bucks when you don't know if you're going to play them? And LeBron's won three of his four titles when they didn't have the best record in the NBA, so he doesn't need it. As it turned out, the Lakers... 
I mean, they were in the bubble, so there was no home court. <laughs> but they were the higher seed in every series because the teams in the East that had a better record didn't make it to the NBA Finals. Didn't even make it to the Conference Finals, I don't think. Um, so if the Jazz pull away from the Lakers and Clippers here, how much energy are the Lakers and Clippers going to put into catching them? How much does home court matter? And how much are these veteran teams, with veterans have been hurt, saying, let's get healthy and conserve our energy for the playoffs? Because let's be honest, as long as they hold off Phoenix and Portland and Denver for the two and three spots, I mean, Lakers and Clippers, I don't think they care if they play six or seven, and then they would play each other. And they're in the same building. There's no travel. And it's California. I can't imagine there are going to be that many fans there. I mean, they'll be into vaccinations in June and July, so maybe there'll be some fans there. Home court will never, <laughs> will never be less important. It'll be like the bubble, essentially, for the Lakers and Clippers. They'll be in the same locker rooms. They'll all be sleeping in their own bed. There'll be no playing trips. And then why catch the Jazz? If it takes too much energy and you risk your health, it's not worth it. You know, Quinn Snyder says... We want to be playing our best basketball when the playoffs get here. Well, you have to be healthy to play your best basketball. So I'd say healthy one, best basketball two. Realizing if you're not healthy, that's both of them. You know, And if you are healthy, even if you are playing your best basketball, maybe you can kind of play your way into it. It's playing B. I'd rather not have to do that. But you have a playoff series before that, and maybe you can gain a little bit of an edge and get on a roll. And for the Jazz, the whole thing will be, it will be if this plays out this way, well... How do you keep your edge? And what are you playing for? What's your motivation? And you don't want to lose your edge because, man, and, and man, PK has said this so many times, and I love to argue with him, but he's right, so I'll never argue with him about this. When you are in the middle of winning, it feels like it can never end. And when you start losing, it feels like you'll never get out of it. Stuff will always be jacked up. And the truth is, if you click on, and it's so easy now with, with the web, uh, you know, you just click on name of team, whoever, list seasons, you know, and you just get to Wikipedia and you can see how quickly things change and how quickly teams go from bad to mediocre to good and from good to mediocre to bad. And it happens much more quickly than you think to everybody. I mean, the Lakers are not that far removed from a seven-year run of missing the playoffs. It, it happens so quickly. So, interesting to see what happens here. If the Jazz can sweep, now if you split with the Clippers, then they're still two and a half back. And, and the Jazz is still have the tiebreaker, so I guess they'd have that. Um, and you got to get the first one before you can worry about the sweep. So we'll see what happens tonight. And, uh, and just the cat and mouse games that, players play, that people play with players, uh, availability, and when they do go, how many minutes they go. I hesitate to... Uh, I hesitate to get too far in front of that at any point now because teams love to be mysterious and they love to play close to the vest and stay with us coming up later this hour. And uh, we'll let you hear Andrew Greif. Man, that's like the first words out of his mouth about the Clippers. Man, do they like to play. They, nobody, nobody wants to hear take Kawhi. Kawhi is going to be a free agent. Players are signing shorter deals. The, the, their opt-out season is never that far away. And don't freak out about players putting opt-out in their deals because everybody does. It gives them two chances to hit free agency instead of one. If they have a bad year or an injury, then they can just pick the other year. And if they have a great year, they can just go. It just gives them a chance to maximize their next contract. I know people freaked out because Donovan put it in, but your, your agent would almost be committing malpractice if he didn't put it in at this point. 
you know, you might as well have it. All right, we got a lot of basketball for you. And I'm going to start right now with Steve Cleveland. Uh, the whole thing's available wherever you get your podcast: Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, whatever. Uh, you can listen to the whole thing there. We talked to him for more than 20 minutes. Uh, but just a few minutes here where he's talking about the jazz. And the thing I want to bring up with him is there are people who are like, oh, they're so hot now. They're peaking too early. Well, as a coach, would, would you feel better if you'd gone, you know, 15 and 5 instead of 19 1? Hey, guys, we need to lose a game to make sure we don't peak yet. You know, how do you address that? And how do you feel about that when you look at 19 and 1? Uh, 18 and 1, 17 and 1, 20 and 1, you know, wherever this goes, wherever it's been. How are you supposed to look at this every day? Here's Steve Cleveland on that. Well, I, you know, I think every coaching staff knows uh, when teams are playing well. And, uh, and, and when you are, you know, you, uh, you kind of, I don't know, you, 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 you don't downplay it, but you want to just get, 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 keep guys doing, going forward and understanding their roles and doing what they're doing. Uh, but I, but I think the maturity of this team, the coaching staff, uh, there's a lot of really good things that we can say about the Jazz right now. But probably uh, none more than this is a group collectively that understand their roles, the system. Uh, they like each other. You know, a lot of the things that some teams struggle with, regardless of talent, and certainly there's significant talent here. But it's the collectiveness of Everybody understanding a role, everybody understanding a system, uh, you know, next man up when somebody's hurt, all of those things. So, I mean, we're as coaches, we are a little bit superstitious, but when things are good, you know, enjoy it and continue to get better. I, I think that it's when you're playing well and winning that there's even more of an attention to detail from coaches, staff to players, from players to players. They, they sense and know that this is something special this year. And, uh, they don't want to look back and have any regrets in terms of, well, we, we kind of got a little bit soft here. We didn't continue to, you know, execute our roles and play together. You know, you don't want to look back ever and see that. So you do the little things, more film, more conversations, tweaking things constantly to keep that, that momentum going. When, when you look at Utah, a Utah franchise isn't supposed to go 19-1. and one. It's not supposed to have multiple All-Stars. This is supposed to be a place that – is out in the middle of nowhere, and people don't like coming here, and it's cold, and it's snowy, and it's backwater, uh, but yet this team is just playing great ball probably as well as it can play. How much do you think all that stuff as far as this rep being this place that isn't a glamour spot can actually work to the advantage of the players in terms of, man, nobody really thinks you can get the job done in Salt Lake. So if you do get it done, Seems like it's wow. That would be something even more special than just getting it done. Actually, I think every guy in that team has has that mentality. I mean, you can just as you watch them. And I don't get to see them up close and personal as, as you do, the two of you do. But um, I, I think that all of those things play into it. And I think coaching staffs take advantage of that. I think leaders and teams of, of players they understand that uh, you know this isn't a media capital in the country. There's not going to be a great deal of attention. However, it's hard to ignore 19 out of 20. <laughs> and I, you know, one of the things that I enjoy, I mean, I listen to a lot of serious NBA radio and just because I enjoy it. And, uh, and I, I think Utah Jazz have everybody's attention. They understand it. But there's always, in fact, I heard Thurl Bailey on, uh, on the radio yesterday. 
And, you know, the question always comes up, well, uh, let's see how they do the Lakers. Can they beat the Lakers, you know, or is it the Clippers? There's always that question, uh, do they have the ability at the next level to, to – well, those are things like Thurl said. Those are things you don't know. But at the end of the day, I think his comments were, were, were really, really good. It's like there, there's no one in this organization that doesn't believe that they can't beat anyone. And, and that's where their mindset is. But you still have to do it. But they're just looking for things to talk about because in terms of the play, uh, when people are injured, guys stepping up, uh, you know, the Jazz is probably the greatest stretch of NBA basketball in the history of, of the organization, I would think. Uh, and so that's, there's nothing but good that comes from that. And, and this is a mature group. It's not a, a, a young group where you have to, a bunch of rookies or you have guys that, where their priorities aren't straight. I mean, there are a lot of things impacting this, this league this year. I mean, there really are. I mean, from COVID to start with and all the protocols, uh, literally no home court advantage, uh, games postponed, teams with injuries, quick turnarounds, playing more games than they've ever played in a short period of time. All of these things are impacting teams in the league. And yet they don't seem to be impacting the Jazz. I mean, Conley goes down for five games, and Ingles at three out of four games scores in the mid-20s. I mean, people are stepping up. So it seems to me that all the outside distractions and issues and challenges haven't impacted the Jazz. They've just kind of gone – all right, next man up, let's go forward, let's, let's deal with this. Whereas some teams have been just devastated and, by the protocol. And, and literally guys aren't playing night in and night out, and it's hard to get that continuity. And the Jazz have experienced some of that as well. But the maturity of this team, the experience of this team, they kind of got through all that. And it really, you just see a team that seems to be oblivious to all those things I just talked about that impact team success. And, and I think that's just – the fact that they've got a wonderful system in place, they've got good coaches, and they've got mature players that uh, know their roles, and uh, you can just plug one guy in for another, and, and they understand that. And when you have under, when you have players understanding their roles, uh, I don't care what level, high school, junior high, whatever, you're going to be better, and this team has that, and uh, then that just increases the confidence of every person in the program. There's Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. If you want to hear the whole conversation, you can get it wherever you get podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, it's out there. You can find it. Coming up next, how about a little more basketball? Who's in favor? Can I see a show of hands? Uh, coming up next, Andrew Greif, LA Times beat writer covering the Clippers. He's next. Jazz and Clippers tonight. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. Andrew Greif, beat writer for the LA Clippers, writes for the LA Times. He joined us 
yesterday. Now, there'll be a few last nights in there. Uh, the Clippers went back-to-back on Sunday and Monday and one without their stars. Uh, so some of the time references are a little off. But with the Jazz playing the Clippers tonight, thought you'd want to hear his take. And uh, at the, stay tuned for at the end where his take on the Jazz and what he's seen from them. Stay with us. Here's all the way through this interview. Here's uh, Andrew Greif with PKNI. Andrew, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. Well, thanks for coming on again. We are curious about the health of the Clippers. And I don't know what you can tell us because they probably don't want to come completely clean with the L.A. Times. And yet you have your ways. What, what do you know? What can you tell us about uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? Yeah, well, these guys in particular, they play everything really close to the vest. Um, they, you know, Kawhi has always for a long time, you know, wanted his health to be paramount. And so Clippers do not really disclose much until they really have to about his health. But what Ty Lue did say last night before they beat the Heat without four starters somehow um, was that they, uh, they, they're working back to normal, that those guys, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, are getting close to, closer to normal. Now, what that means for a timeline, still unclear. But I, there are encouraging signs with PG in particular. Uh, before Sunday night's game, uh, when they played and they won, he was out in the court working out before tip-off. It wasn't uh, you know like a fully active workout, but he was getting up shots. He wasn't doing a lot of dribbling, a lot of side-by-sides, what I mean. He's getting up shots, uh, making a healthy clip of them. So the fact that he his swelling in his toe and his right foot has gone down enough to get him uh, back into sneakers, back into shooting form, is at least encouraging in that respect. So Clippers... You know, going big picture as far as what's going to be hopefully for them in the postseason made a ton of changes over the offseason, you know, coaches and, and some players. How's it all coming together? I think that this week, the, the way they've beaten um, the last two teams while being shorthanded, I think it's an interesting time to, to think about that because um, they really, when they made that move, wanted team, a team to get back to the way it played in 2019. 2018, 2019, when it was um, an underdog, kind of like they, they prided themselves on being scrappy and playing through being hard-nosed and having good young players. That's what they wanted this team to get back to, and they felt like they'd lost that uh, in the last year. So that's what I think, that, especially the way they beat Miami last night, again, without four starters, um, shooting the lights out, contributions from a number of young players, Amir Coffey, Terrence Mann, um, that I think is a really, I, I, I think if you were to give everyone like truth serum around the Clippers headquarters today, they'd feel really good about what they what they just saw because it's sort of like kind of the dream of when they let Doc go. Um, they wanted these guys to play hard without excuses and how you know young guys really shine and the Vitsa Zubats have been playing. He's still a backup center, but he's playing the majority of fourth quarter minutes this year. And I think from his form and the other guys, they've really gotten the like of what they see. Andrew Greif joining us, Clippers writer for the LA Times. Uh, and I know they let the coach go, and it's always easier to blame the coach than it is the star player. But, man, from a distance, it looked like they lost that mojo they had a couple years ago because they brought in stars, and it changes the chemistry in the locker room. And Kawhi doesn't seem like an outgoing, warm guy, and maybe he is, and maybe he just hides it from the public and hides it from the media. But it was like it seemed like his presence was a bigger part of this deal. I mean, the other guys... When he's not there, they can do this, and they did it two years ago, and I realize the supporting cast isn't exactly the same, but is Kawhi really cemented to the rest of the group, I guess? That's something that has been 
really helpful to hear from Serge Ibaka about. Because remember, they played together and they won together championship mm-hmm. in, in Toronto. They know each other really well. Um, they've, they've kind of understand what it takes to win big. And but Serge had said that when he got here in training camp in December, he told Kawhi, like, you are the leader. You need to be the guy whose example we follow. Like, that's, like, you know, you have to be a little more vocal in that way and recognize that, like, um, you are going to be able to do kind of your own thing a lot of ways um, because everyone really caters to, you know, well, obviously a free agent to be of his caliber will want to do. But, you, you know, you also have to set an example. Um, and we asked Serge again two nights ago about, you know, just what have you seen from Kawhi kind of a, um, two months in? And he said that he's been much more vocal, um, much more willing to engage. He said he feels like Kawhi's learned from last year's failures of the team. Um, and so that is one kind of piece of the development where, you know, it's not just Serge. Other teammates have said that Kawhi definitely has been more um, kind of, I guess, less at a remove from the rest of the team in terms of the day-to-day. I don't know if motivation is the right word, but just to kind of the encouragement, the talking. Um, and, and I think that is he is more of that guy than his public persona would suggest. But even, to, even behind the scenes, people say that he's been uh, kind of more outspoken this year than ever before. Where do you see weaknesses on this team? Um, you know, I think that one of the things that always gets pointed at is their, their kind of lack of a quote-unquote pure point guard. Um, I tend to be a little, a little skeptical about it just because there are a lot of opportunities. But when Kawhi, George, Kawhi and Paul George are playing well, the ball is in their hand uh, almost all the time. and they, they both have usage rates above 30%, I believe, this year. Um, they are, Paul George is the best distributor on the team, and it's really worked out well for them so far. So given kind of what they have to deal, given their financial flexibility, it's going to be hard for them, I think, to really go out and get a bunch of upgrades from Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams. Um, they're, you know, they're kind of their starting guard, and they're obviously their lead reserve guard. Um, so I think that that is one area that is kind of pointed to as, well, they need someone to initiate the offense more often when things get bogged down. But the reality of how you would go out and get that, I think, is a little hard. Um, some people have talked about, too, okay, is the big man. They need a third big man. Could Evita Zubats, you know, be that guy down the stretch in playoff games again? How is Serge Ibaka going to hold up? Um, both those guys in the last week have played their best basketball of the season. So that it's not a, it's not a long-term fix necessarily. You don't really know how that will pan out in the playoffs. But um, that's been an encouraging thing, too, for the Clippers, that kind of the big man – depth um, seems to be working out pretty well right now. So there are plenty of people here who wonder what the rest of the world thinks of the Jazz. What does your part of the rest of the world think about the Jazz? I think they're just incredibly impressive. You know, I watched last night's game um, against the Sixers and uh, it was just wrapped, you know, it's just like cause you don't get a whole lot of time sometimes to be able to watch the rest of the teams on the league uh, where you're just kind of head in the sand covering your own team. But I try to watch the Jazz every opportunity I get. I just think that it's so – the defense is so impressive. Um, the ball movement, especially a couple nights ago, and obviously there were like the highlight reels where you know, guys are throwing it behind the back and then whipping it across the court. Those things stand out. But I think that there's just so much more that happens um, play to play with the ball movement that I'm just really impressed with. Obviously, the way Jordan Clarkson's playing is, is you know, uh, unbelievable. And so – I, I'm just really impressed. Like all the way down, Royce O'Neal just seems to give like give big minutes, uh, big shots. This seems like, like a very extremely complete, very a team that really knows what it is. And I think that's 
maybe I'm wrong on that, but it just it just seems to be a team that knows exactly what it what it does well, exactly what it has to do to win. And in this season, when there's so much uncertainty and there's so little continuity for teams because of testing protocols or other absences or compressed schedule or attrition, I think it's extremely valuable to know exactly what you are as a team. And Utah seems to at least know that down to a T. I think from the Jazz perspective, I think it's important to finish with that one seed. So if it plays out, you have the Clippers and Lakers going against each other in the second round. And then if you were to win, you would obviously face the winner in the conference final. Uh, How much do you think the Clippers care about playoff positioning? In the past, it was always, let's just get to the postseason healthy. Because there was the confidence that... You know, whatever the postseason path, obviously you want to have the most favorable one possible, but it was always the thought that as long as this roster can get their healthy, um, they feel good about their chances. You know, they just thought that the health is the key. Because if, if you, you, don't have, you don't have, you know, your top seven in, in about pretty good shape, then you're, you're sunk almost no matter what you do. Um, this team, I don't know, is quite as deep as last year's Clippers when they had the league top scoring bench. Um, not the case this year. Um, they started off slowly with the bench. Um, you know, you, you've had Nick Batum work in. He's been really good. Uh, Luke Kennard has some questions. So I think they just really want to make sure they get to the playoffs um, with the roster feeling like, okay, these guys are good. We can play them in the heavy minutes. We don't have to worry about um, nagging injuries. But, uh, the, you know, obviously the West, let's play with the way the Lakers and the uh, Jazz are playing. You want to be able to skip one of those if possible. So I, I don't doubt that they, if it came down to it, um, they would love to grab that one seed. But I'm just curious, obviously, with Anthony Davis out, um, you know, and the Clippers shorthanded, like how much of a buffer Utah can really put between itself and the rest of the West, the other, you know, two arguably best teams in the West in the next two or three weeks with, with Anthony Davis being reevaluated. That's something that I'm really curious about. Like how, much, how hard will it be to truly chase down the Jazz? Andrew Greif, L.A. Clippers writer for the L.A. Times, joining us. So as I see these uh, Clippers stars missing games, uh, there's there's a part of me that loves a good conspiracy theory. Isn't there part of all of us that loves a good conspiracy theory? Is there any chance they're kind of underlining these uh, injuries and, you know, when in doubt, have a guy sit out, partly because you want him to get healthy and partly because then you can pull him out of the All-Star game without getting fined? Um, I don't. I don't necessarily think so. I think that they again. They just rather have these guys. This is a compressed season. Um, you know what you do, and you have little. You have less ground to make up on other teams for that positioning. So I, I don't know if that would be the reason why. I mean, Patrick Beverly definitely was held out last night against Miami for rest. He's healthy, but because of his injury history, he just came off a stretch where he missed eight straight games with a knee injury. They're no longer playing him in back-to-backs, it sounds like. That's what Ty Lue had said last night, that it's a cautious thing. Um, they played Sunday. They played Monday. He played excellent Sunday, and they said, you're just not going to play anymore Sunday. Excuse me, Monday. So that was an example of that. Now, he's not in the running for the All-Star game. Um, Kawhi Leonard had come out and said that the NBA was putting you know, money over health. That was uh, a pretty remarkable thing to hear him say. So you know how he feels about it, but – I, I guess I would be surprised um, if this sort of, you know, holding a guy like him, like of his caliber out for multiple games would be with that in mind. How much of a difference in, in what areas is Ty Lue making? 
he is someone when he was hired that the Clippers really felt like he would be an upgrade in his communication with guys. Um, one, because he is younger. Um, he's not that far removed from his playing career. It's been a decade, but um, a lot of guys still remember him um, from being the player. You know, Marcus Morris has known him since he was much younger, coming up in Philly. Um, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have had a previous relationship with him. So there's there was already built-in trust there, and even Marcus said it last night, that last year he felt like he was in no man's land in terms of what his role was, what was needed from him. And Ty was very explicit very early on of, this is what we need. Um, in fact, you know, he's basically said, you're me coming off the bench. Nick Batum is working so well. Like, and Marcus said, okay, let's do it. So that's, that's one area where people feel like he is um, – Uh, kind of better at defining roles and better at just keeping people on the same page. I think the hallmark of his, uh, what you're going to see on the court is the ball movement. Um, The the passes are something that um, is a big deal for the Clippers. They really felt like last year's offense was way too star dependent. You know, if if Kawhi and Paul George didn't generate it, uh, then they were stuck. And that's where the, the, the point guard issue really came up last year because they really did need someone who could get things moving when it wasn't just the stars. But it was so star-dependent um, that it was, it was a problem in the end. This year, obviously, things still run through Kawhi and Paul George, but um, you've seen a much bigger emphasis on getting the ball moving around, you know, getting into the paint, kicking out. The paint touches are probably the top category um, of statistic that Ty Lue tracks the most because he feels like once you get into the paint, you can open up everything from there. And so you're seeing a lot of kickout passes for threes, and that's why they are the league's top shooting three-point team. Um, so that's where I think that everything is still going to run through the two stars uh, whenever they get back. Um, but what the the hallmark of the Ty Lue era is, I would say, is that um, it really doesn't end with those two guys. It starts with them. It doesn't end with them. Is there anybody in the West, whether it is Phoenix, uh, Denver, if they were to improve, anybody who you think could get into that 4-5 or five series and be a problem for whoever the one seed ends up being, whether it's the Jazz, the Lakers, or the Clippers? I, both those teams you just mentioned are, are teams that um, I, I still think that whether they could you know, really knock out a team, a one seed, I don't know, but... Uh, I guess we're deep enough into the year where you can start 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 to take stock of a team's strengths and weaknesses, and those teams are not, I guess, um, as strong as I thought. Maybe the first week of the season, first two weeks, um, but I would I would not bet against Chris Paul. You know, he's a guy who's just a winner, and so. I like that matchup if you're, if you're the Suns and you're going in, you're saying, hey, it's bubble 2.0. Like, we have nothing to lose. Let's just go out there and have fun. That's a dangerous team. They still remember what they did in the bubble last year, going 8-0. So I think that that would be a team that you would want to avoid. Denver is, is something the Clippers would probably want to avoid just because of, you know, last year they've seen how those matchups can work against them. Um, it's a different team, obviously, but I really still like what Denver can do. Um, their their top end talent, their ceiling is so good with Jokic at the, at the core of it that, yeah, that's a team that I don't think anyone wants to see. And the Clippers, although they're not going to have the same matchup problems that really sank them against the Nuggets, you know, they don't have Montrez Harrell to match up against Jokic for minutes on end and get picked apart for minutes on end. Um, it's still something where you know you're gonna have to deal with Jamal Murray. You're still gonna have to deal with Michael Porter Jr. You're gonna have to deal with Jokic, and that's gonna be really hard no matter what. He's Andrew Greif, L.A. Clipper writer for the L.A. Times. Andrew, we appreciate the time. Thanks for hopping on with us. Thank you, Robert.
There's Andrew Greif with PK and I on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. He's the L.A. Clippers beat writer, writing for the L.A. Times. When we come back, PK and I talking a little football. We had Aaron Roderick on talking about BYU football and how things set up as, uh, I don't know, it doesn't exactly look like spring football this week, but um, hey, let's hear it for indoor practice facilities, right? All right! So as BYU football gets going, uh, our thoughts on the Cougars, based on our conversation with Aaron Roderick, PK and I will get to that next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. And now, for something completely different. There's been an... Just a mountain of basketball talk here, but... It's about time we talked RSL. Spring football is on the horizon. Uh, well, yeah, that's RSL, right? We It does. <laughs> spring football. <laughs> With an April start. April is spring, am I right? And it is yes. football around the world. It is only soccer here. It is football everywhere else. So, Bobby Wood acquisition. Debate it. Ready? Go. Well, you know, he came uh, to Houston, and he's been a, a critical component for the Rockets. Oh, wait, that's Christian Wood. My bad. Close, but not the right guy. Uh, we did want to spend a few minutes talking BYU here. Spring football is on the horizon. We had Aaron Roderick on the show, BYU's new offensive coordinator. Now, he's been an OC before, obviously, at Utah. How many wins over four years, PK? 39? I think when he – well, he, uh, he says when he was coordinating the – Calling the plays, Call they won thirty nine games. Right. People think that he wasn't good enough, but uh, the the numbers don't show that. Right. So now he's at BYU, where he's been in charge of the passing game, and now he is the offense coordinator. Now that Jeff Grimes has moved on to greener pastures, big cash at Baylor. Who wears green? So we had him on, and he hit on several topics. And the one topic is always the most interesting. It actually got a funny response out of when you're saying, well. It's always more interesting in higher stakes when uh, when you, you're looking for a new starting quarterback. And he's like, yeah, for me too. Because <laughs> OCs do tend to live, you know, they get hired and fired on quarterbacks. <laughs> you get the wrong quarterback, it's pretty easy to lose your gig. So uh, why, lay them out in the order you see them here because they've got a guy who's been in the program playing, a guy who's been in the program not playing, and a guy who uh, – it's kind of been in the program, but only loosely and yet very importantly, according to A-Rod. And then anybody else you want to throw in throw in the ring, because you do have time to give guys their shot. Not a lot of time, as A-Rod said, but you do have time. Well, they got four guys that are in the room, and I think at the start, all of them are going to get a shot. And then it's up to you. That's all you can ask for, is you getting a shot. Now, I can interject my personal opinion, which is sort of 
mixed with conversations here and there. There hasn't been a need to really discuss who's going to be the quarterback, right? There was really no need to discuss that last season because you had Zach Wilson. He's going to go high in the draft, maybe go number two behind Lawrence. That'd be awesome for that kid if he goes there, goes to the Jets. We'll see how that plays out and all. So my conversations with multiple people weren't anything that led me to believe this is where they're going. So I want to make sure that I'm abundantly clear that, you know, this is like 80%, maybe 85% me. Uh, So take that for what it's worth. And I'm just going on my instinct combined with a little information. But I think at the start, I think they want Jaron Hall to win it. I've heard that. they believe in his ability. I've heard that, but i got to say, it is a big leap of faith for me to think that that guy's going to start 12 games. And maybe he will. Well, I said the first game. I didn't say right, 12. Right. So even if he's the starting quarterback, if you tell me he's the starting quarterback and he's going to win it, I am super interested in who the backup quarterback is. <laughs> I mean, as we just saw, the Utes last year had a quarterback battle, and a guy who's a backup quarterback ended up taking you know 90% of the snaps. He didn't start the season, and actually he didn't finish the season either. But in between, he took the vast majority of the snaps, for better or worse. And yeah. there's plenty of I both. think that's where BYU has its strength, and they've had that strength now for a few years in terms of depth. Uh, so I think they know what they got in Romney. Solid, very solid. Can win you games. Won you Boise two years ago, and that was the Boise's only loss. So that was a really good team, obviously. So I'm not downgrading Baylor-Romney by any stretch. He's right. solid can make the play for you. I think they know what they have there, but I think they're intrigued by Jaron Hall. Then you got this hot shot recruit, and I could argue uh, the highest recruited quarterback since, I don't know, Ben Olsen or Jake Heaps, I guess, because Heaps came after uh, Olsen, whatever that means. And in the case of Olsen and Heaps, it didn't mean anything. (laughs) So take that for what it's worth. But Conover being a Phoenix area kid, uh, I, know, I know people, and I've talked to them about him, and, and they're very, very excited. The pandemic uh, has been such a downer for everybody, but for him, you know, with the mission thing, he it's not like he uh, didn't want to serve, He but they had to come home and all that stuff because they were gathering missionaries. We saw that story last spring. So he was with the team, and A-Rod said that put him a substantial – leg up on himself not necessarily on the competition because he wasn't supposed to be there i think he was supposed to get home in january just last month well he was with the team he joined the team a little late this past season so being around the team in the meetings and practicing running scout team this and that that gave him an opportunity to allow himself to be in a much better position to compete starting spring ball and that's important not necessarily competing better against the other dudes, although obviously it will, but just having him be in the program. So I think that at some point, I don't know when, my guess is Conover is going to be a starting quarterback for BYU. Is it uh, two years? Is it three years? Is it one year? Is it four years or three plus years? I'm not sure on any of that because that's what the competition is going to decide when they get out on the field. So I hear all that, and I got to say that um, 
and and I don't know any of these guys personally. Um, you know, the pandemic times, you just don't. You know, we're just not around them. Plus, you know, there's this massive gap in age between us and them, so we're not going to be hanging out with them. So I just say this from a perspective of watching games and, you know, people we've known back when we played high school sports. Um, I think it really sucks to be the guy who has a good track record and then looks like he's solid. And you're sitting over there going, and first off, I think what you say is all true. So I'm not, I just, it sucks. You're kind of like, you know, I haven't gotten that many chances, but we beat Boise State. And they were really good. And we took them down. I can do this. I, I need a shot week in and week out. And yet, you're right. He may not get it. He may not. He He'll may get not a be shot. Guy. But he's uh, got to prove he can. he's the best. Uh, I think he's got to prove he's hands down slam dunk best. Because some of the other guys look like they have upside and may get the job on upside. I mean, when you really prove that, it as a so. quarterback, don't you have to prove it in games, though? Because you're not live, and we've seen with plenty of quarterbacks, they're different when they're not live. Yeah, I mean, you have to prove it, and you have to prove it week to week. Right, and he'd I mean, like that chance. Make me the, the starting quarterback, and I'll prove it week to week. I think he's, he's going to get that chance. He's going to have to prove it in practice. You don't think and, he's going to lose it in practice? he's not out of the running by any stretch. To more potential? Right, no. but you also didn't pick him, and I've heard that from people other than you. I think there's truth to it. I think Hall's got a great chance to win the job, and I think they like him, and I think he's got upside that we have seen the briefest glimpses of. You know, everybody likes to have a running quarterback, and he he can do it, and he can beat people with his legs, and I don't trust that in the NFL very much. Um, it leads to injuries, and we saw Mahomes get a concussion in the playoffs. But I think at the college level, you can go a long way with that. So I get why coaches are in love with that. I think just about every quarterback has to be mobile these mm-hmm. days. I mean, you look at Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. Now, those are the the three that I believe are going to go one, two, and three. And all of those kids can move. So... I don't know. The way the game is played now, and we had Steve Young on a while back, and he was talking about how uh, guys like Wilson are prepared more to go and have success in the NFL early because the colleges in the NFL, uh, a lot of the stuff is the same now. They're similar. And so moving around is something that is important, not necessarily running the option, and that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, being able to escape Russell Wilson style. And he can get you the first down because uh, the play broke down, whatever. He scrambled, had to go left, right, circle back. We've all seen him. I mean, he's, he's capable of running 40 yards before he even gets to the line of scrimmage. And we saw Mahomes actually do that in the Super Bowl and get those passes off as he kept going. He, he couldn't run because he was going so far back, but just the athletic ability to get the passes off were unto themselves amazing. Now, they were incompletions. One of them was a drop, but I think that you've got to be able to move. And so that's one of the things that obviously is going to play to Jaron Hall's strength is his ability to move. But, you know, they know that he has – concussion issues and has other injuries and they told him 
this past season take the season off because they knew they see they they couched it as a quarterback competition last year but it wasn't in training camp but it was not no (laughs) i I was told early on probably the second week this thing is over we're not announcing it but this baby is over he is our guy speaking of wilson and he's heads and shoulders above Mm -hmm. everybody else so uh, they they told they told Hall, hey, you, you, the best you're going to be a backup. Get yourself healthy, and so he did. And now he's ready to go. That, the great thing about BYU's position is they're dealing from a position of strength. Remember when the Utes went into the conference, the Pac-12, they had a a, a wounded Jordan win yeah. and nobody else. Yeah, was- they they weren't dealing from a position of strength at that quarterback spot. And, uh, you know, they've changed that, obviously. And here, BYU, I think, is dealing from a position of strength. The good thing about it is whoever they choose is very much going to be capable of winning you games. Well, that is true, and that is a that is a good position to be in. Uh, but I think the flip side of that, the way college football works now, is if you get yourself into that position, it's an open question how long you can stay in that position. Because you know, one guy gets hurt and one guy transfers, and you go from being three or four deep to being one or two. And how good is two? And even if he's good, does he have any experience? And are you now investing in a future season because you can't have the big year this yeah, year? Yeah, I don't think they're going to do that, though. I don't think. See, that's uh, I wanted to expound on what you. you- said about potential because if you did that you could very well start conover who hasn't taken a snap Mm -hmm. and i don't think they're going to do that if he wins the job it's because they believe he's the best candidate to win the job for them today today of course being the first game when that comes uh in several months i i think that they're they're looking to continue you put together a couple of solid seasons, then you got all sorts of momentum. You lay an egg this season, and you go another seven and six, then it's like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, you had an NFL quarterback and a cake schedule, so of course. And that's not going to eliminate the buzz, but it's going to reduce it, and they want to continue the buzz. And when you think about it, this is the only form of buzz that's legal with BYU. hey You just came up with that right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of a sentence. Hey, wait a minute. Since I've used the word buzz, let's veer over here. You know me well. <laughs> the question is, how do they get to wins 8, 9, and 10? Because uh-huh. there are uh-huh. rewards that come with each one of them. Uh-huh. And just because you can't get to 10, well, then then give me 9 because I don't want to have to explain 7 and 6. I'd rather explain 9 than 7. For sure. And so every one of those matters. And the other thing is you can just look at the schedule. And it's like you're not just piling up wins. You're going to take down some good teams. You're going to beat teams probably in an area you recruit. I mean, the, the first three games they play, they're in their recruiting footprint. I mean, if you had to rank states for them, you know, Utah, California, Arizona, Texas, different people will rank them in different orders. But how are they not one, two, three, and four? Even Hawaii isn't in the top four anymore. I think Texas is more, and Arizona are more important to them than Hawaii. Uh, They're going to get more players out of those states. Probably, yeah. yeah. Especially now yeah. everybody and their dog goes to Hawaii. Right. So if you're opening up with, oh, yeah, back in the day, I mean, they were it, right? You went to BYU or you went to Hawaii. And then you went to BYU, Utah, or Hawaii. And now it's wide open. Oregon's gotten Heisman Trophy winners out of there. Alabama's gotten a Heisman Trophy winner out of there. Everybody's in there now. Mm-hmm. So for BYU, you open it up with the Utes and Arizona and Arizona State. That's the first quarter of the schedule. That's right. And you're, you don't want to concede anything. You want to be ready to win football games from game one. And if you're going to go 9-3 and three on this 12-game schedule, well, you're going to have to beat some high-profile teams. They've only got... 
I don't know. You, however you count it up, depending on whether you root for them or for someone else or literally root against them, but they don't have more than two, three, or four gimmies on the schedule. You know, there's, there's some level there, so they have to win some good games. For sure, yeah. And get off to a good start against three Pac-12 teams. So, so yeah, I buy it. They don't really want to invest in somebody here. They want to go out and have a chance to win game number one. And furthermore, they got the guys on the roster that we know. If they, if they just plug in Romney, they've got a chance to win. Now, can one of the other guys give them a better chance to win? And that's the question that they try to answer starting in spring ball. Yes. But Romney, exactly. they've already seen it on the field, lights on, people in the stands, actually, believe it or not, going back two years. So, right. You know, well, that's, I mean, that, there's something to be said for that. I'm not dismissing this fellow by any stretch. All right. We will leave it there until they start sorting things out with uh, spring ball and then later on summer practices and some scrimmages. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next... What is trending? All the headlines. Got college hoops tonight. Got some NBA action to get to tonight with the Jazz and the Clippers. And the night in the NBA last night. We'll do it all next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.